The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're in our third week of our Countdown to Heaven, and we're talking today to Bruce Lipton, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. And we'll be talking about his latest book, The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth. We all understand either the actuality of the honeymoon or of it, but most of us see it as temporary because we have to get back to quote-unquote real life. The honeymoon effect is a state of bliss, passion, energy, and health resulting from huge love. But we cannot imagine that we can have that on a regular basis. Lipton tells us that the honeymoon effect is not a chance event that happened to us because the right circumstances collided, but rather it's a personal creation. In fact, he tells us that love is the most potent growth factor for human beings. How can we manifest this hit on earth? Stay here for it. We're going to hear about it. And we're going to hear the clip from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday, so be here throughout the show today. Welcome, Bruce, to our uh, show today. Thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us. Hey, Andrea, I so appreciate this opportunity, especially to talk to your wonderful audience about exciting opportunities to create a better world. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, as you know, we talked uh, at the IONS conference in the summer, the Noetic uh, uh, Sciences put on a conference in the summer, and we talked, and one of the things that I really appreciated so much about what you said was, in your in your presentation, was that... Uh, uh, I was all about how identity forms, and I sort of want to start there because I think like primary to what else we're talking about today. So can you tell us just a little bit about, I know we got a short time and identity forms over a long period, but uh, if you could tell <laughs> us just a little bit about how that happens. Well, it's very interesting in regard to understanding the nature of conscious and subconscious. And the, the, the most important thing is to start off with is that we group them together as the mind, conscious and subconscious, but they're two interdependent uh, elements, and they learn in different ways, and they have different functions. And by not understanding their, their inter, interdependence, we, we've made some uh, errors in understanding how we operate. So uh, the first thing is this, to recognize is that the conscious mind is the creative mind, it's the mind that's directly connected with our personal identity, our spirit, our source. Uh, we are more or less housed in that 
conscious creative mind, which is a part of the brain right behind the forehead called the prefrontal cortex. That's the latest evolution. The rest of the brain constitutes more or less the subconscious. And uh, the, while the conscious is creative, and that's what elevated humans in the, uh, in the uh, biosphere uh, because of our creativity, um, this is not a character of the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind, the precursor mind, is more or less an habitual mind. It operates by habits. Uh, and it's a database. So if I wanted to look at the mind in an analogy first to get people to understand, uh, consider this, uh, that if I buy a new iPod and I take it out of the box, uh, and we recognize that the play button is really like the conscious mind because you can select what you want to play and create a playlist and all that stuff. So the play button is like the creative mind. I say you get a brand new iPod, take it out of the box, and I say push the button play, and, and nothing happens. And people say, no, you can't have anything to play until you put some data down in the hard drive. You have to download programs. Well, this is the exact uh, parallel analogy to understanding the nature of consciousness and the nature of the subconscious. If a child could speak the moment it was born, you ask it, well, tell me something. The child will say, I don't know anything. I just got here. Uh, so basically... Uh, the story of the iPod or the child is that first we put data in, and this is how the nervous system operates. Before consciousness is engaged as a, as a neurological function and activity, which uh, primarily begins around age seven, the first seven years of life, the brain is operating at a lower vibrational frequency, EEG frequency. Uh, primarily, it's in theta. Theta is imagination. That's why especially kids from two to seven uh, are always mixing uh, the uh, imaginary real worlds together. They, they blend them seamlessly because their mind is operating from theta. But theta is also hypnosis. And this is the reason why this process occurs this way, is that the first seven years, we download data into the subconscious directly. It doesn't even go through conscious mind. It goes straight from observation down into subconscious as program. So basically, we uh, learn how to be a member of a society. Think about how, how many rules does it take to be a, a functional member of a family in a society? And you go, thousands of rules. I say, okay, here's a kid, one year old, two years old. Teach this kid these rules. And it's like, well, obviously, you can't teach a kid like that. But nature created an opportunity. The child learns by simply being in a brain state of recording everything it sees and hears. So the first period of seven years is a download process of data. Well, in that data, we get all the rules of how you respond to uh, each other in a community and who's who in that community and, and your relationship to all, all the activities of being a functional member, as I mentioned. But here's the other thing we acquire during that first seven years. We acquire uh, a self-identity, meaning who are you as an individual? Well, as you're the person inside this mechanism, you're downloading data as to who you are. But I say, where do you get the data from? And it's like you record what other people say about you. Well, this becomes very problematic uh, when we recognize this. There's a tendency for parents to behave like coaches uh, to their children to coach them to, to be more effective and to, to do better than, you know, to, than just average, do better. And, and so, like a coach, uh, uh, an athletic team and one of the performers isn't really living up to the performance, a coach will go, come on, you don't, you, you know, try harder. You can do better than that. This is not good enough. You, you don't deserve to be here. Things like that. You know, 
mainly to you know entice or needle the the athlete to say, okay, I'm really not performing up to my best. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be better. And that's what the coach is trying to elicit. But now take the same words and play it to a child who's seven or under. And recognize this. The child is not operating from consciousness. They're just recording. And what are they recording? Not good enough not lovable, not deserving, not worthy. Uh, these are things that, that wasn't what the parent's intent was, but that's what the child records. The significance of all this is that the largest majority of people, and, and I can tell you when I work with workshops where we do belief change modification, uh, and we start off with a, a belief statement just to see uh, how, how people respond, 80 to 90% minimum will not test positive for this belief statement. The statement, I love myself. And there's a very profound reason, and that is this, because the data as to their personal identity that they acquire from the world was always data of a critical nature, uh, trying to, to get the child to perform better, which means at the moment of recording the data, the, the child's not performing well, so it's not deserving, it's not worthy, uh, you know, whatever these issues are, and it writes those down in the subconscious programs. Now, why this becomes important is this. The conscious mind, the one where you're in, is the creative mind. It's a very fabulous line, mind that can uh, take images and, and, and create something brand new out of it. That's why humans uh, so excel above other animals. We don't just respond to the world. We can take the data of the world and, and, and create from that data. Uh, and that's the role of the conscious mind. The subconscious mind is basically just like the uh, program in the iPod. It's the database, period. Well, it's also interesting in this regard. The conscious mind has a very unique ability, and that is it can time travel. So I say, Andrea, what, what are you doing next Monday? And your mind, think about it, your conscious mind lets go of the current moment as you go into your head to try to figure out where you're going to be next Monday. Or I, I say, what did you do last Tuesday? And then your conscious mind goes into your head, tries to review everything. Uh, what did I do last week? And, and, uh, or I say, uh, Andrea, think about this for a second. And what that means is whatever I ask you to think about, you let go, your conscious mind lets go, and, it, and at that moment goes into thinking and creative processing, which is really cool. Here's the point. Every time the mind is thinking, the, the conscious mind is thinking, by definition, it's not paying attention to the current moment. So that doesn't mean your biology and everything stops while you're thinking. You're still going. And how do you do that? And the answer is when your conscious mind is thinking, all of the behavior is then by default controlled by the subconscious program. And, uh, and so, in other words, if you're driving a car and you have a thought, you don't lose control of the car. The subconscious mind will take over and drive the car, which it does. But here comes the issue. Science has found that we only operate about nine, about 5%, 5% at the most for average people, uh, operate from the conscious mind, the creative mind. That's the mind with our wishes and our desires and what we want from life. That's why I say, oh, oh Andrew, what do you want from your life? The creative answer, by nature, creative, comes from conscious mind. So conscious mind is the seat of your wishes and your desires, what you want from your life. And now comes this issue. You only operate 5% of the time from the conscious mind for a very important and simple reason. We're always thinking. 
And every time a thought comes into our head, by definition, we deal with the thought with the conscious mind, and the subconscious mind takes over whatever you're doing, driving the car, talking to somebody, doing your job at work, because these are habits that you acquire over time. So that's what the function of the subconscious habit mind is all about, just to record those. And so all of a sudden I say, wait, then, we are creating our lives with how we respond to the world. And then we say, scientifically, we now find that only 5% of the time are recreating our lives with the conscious mind, and that's the one that has wishes and desires. And 95% or more of the time, our lives, by default, are controlled by the programs in the subconscious. And then I go, and then we deal with this, the major programs that came into the subconscious were those that got in there before age seven and the programs that are in there are not our programs we downloaded them from other people so the behavior and and how we live our life uh is 95 percent of the time controlled by these programs that we got in the first seven years and here comes the problem the conscious mind is busy that's why the subconscious mind is doing the default that means the conscious mind very rarely observes the behavior that we play when we're playing in the, the subconscious default programs. Uh, and this brings up an issue which I talk about in my lectures, and most people laugh because they're so familiar with it. I say, look, you have a friend. You know your friend's behavior very, very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. And there's a point where all of a sudden you see that your friend does share some of the same behavior as their parent. So you volunteer very casually something like, uh, hey, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill. Because <laughs> Bill goes ballistic, like, how can you compare me to my dad? Everyone laughs. And I go, well, here's the profound point to that. There's two. One is everyone else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. And you say, but why not? And the answer is, why is he playing that behavior he downloaded from his dad? And the answer is, because his conscious mind was thinking, and therefore he didn't see it. And that's why he will deny, like, how can you <laughs> compare me to my dad? Uh, and he plays this behavior all the time. So that's profound point one, that 95% of our time, our behaviors are coming from the subconscious, and whatever they are, they're weighted on the on the programs that we got downloaded in there. And then it says, yeah, but most of those are not yours. And then we say, okay, so uh, we, you know, Bill doesn't see his, that he plays his dad's behavior, uh, and and here comes the the problem in that. And the problem is this: if it's a negative behavior, Bill doesn't see that either. And as a result, he could be leading his life with a lot of negative, uh, self-defeating behaviors, which psychologists say, I think, 70% or so of the programs in that subconscious are limiting, disempowering, self-sabotaging. And if that's the predominant uh, mode of the programs in the subconscious, and you play them 95% of the time, and you don't see them, that means simple to understanding. We go forward in the morning thinking, I want to create this world that I'm looking for, one filled with love and health and happiness and great jobs. And This is my wish, my desires. And then you go out in the world, and then you come home at night, tail between your legs, going, chief, <laughs> I'm having so much trouble manifesting my wishes and desires. It's just, you know, it's like the universe is against me. And I'm, it's just not in my fate to have it. And the reason why that belief comes in is because if you don't know that you're playing these invisible behaviors that are sabotaging you, then by definition, when it doesn't work, you don't know you were participating in that process. And therefore, it's, you know, I'm a victim. 
of the world. And it turns out, oh my God, we were victims of our unconscious programming. And we don't see it. So when we sabotage ourselves, we're the last ones like Bill to even recognize that we're doing it. And the problem is, is that these programs were, you know, acquired in a state of hypnosis first seven years by observing other people's behavior and downloading it. And that's how, like, if you want to make an iPod work, first you have to put in the, the programs, then you can push play and select what you want to play. How the consciousness works, first you have to put in the programs. Oh, yep, get them from downloading unconsciously for seven years, and then when consciousness kicks in as a predominant brain activity, alpha uh, uh, waves, alpha EEG waves, uh, that begins around seven. And therefore... It basically says, is, are, are the lives we leading the lives that we wish and desire, or what? And the answer is, well, yes, you're leading with your wishes and desires, but maybe only 5% of the time. 95% of the time, you are unconsciously playing programs that were downloaded into you, uh, and these programs are, are disempowering. And in fact, as, as, you know, the significance of uh, testing a, a community of, of the belief, uh, asking them to test, I love myself, finding 80% to 90% of the people will not test positive for that. And the reason is this, because we're all victims of uh, getting our identity from other people and taking their words as literal recognition. And therefore, um, imagine this, if you have a subconscious belief that, doesn't uh, lead to loving yourself because you've been criticized. Uh, and it's about loving yourself. And it plays 95% of the time, and it's invisible, then guess what? 95% of your behavior will keep love away from you because it doesn't conform to the belief. Uh, and uh, uh, during, during this 90, 95% of the time, um, you will have in your unconscious mind a belief of how can anybody else love you? Because if you can't love yourself, then logically, why would anybody else love you? <laughs> Unless they have no quality control or something like that. But the fact is, what does that keep us from experiencing on this planet? And the answer is love and community. Because there's a tendency to, to isolate yourself as a not lovable entity in a community. And your behavior will then be uh, expressed through that filter and we will unconsciously sabotage our lives. And, and I say, wow, so we've been programmed. I go, yeah. And then, and then I bring up this fun topic because a lot of people are familiar with the movie The Matrix. In the movie The Matrix, uh, uh, it, it, the idea is, okay, you've been programmed. They say, okay, if you take the, this blue pill, you can go back into the programming, and then life will be just the way it's always been. Or you can take this red pill and get out of the program. And it was interesting because they really never stipulated, well, what happens if you do take the red pill? What is the consequence of taking the red pill and getting out of the program? Well, here's the fun part, because there's this understanding, and it has to do with the honeymoon experience, which is uh, what I refer to that period where you first fall in love, and, uh, and there's, there's three characteristics of that period that are associated with that falling in love. Number one is you're exuberantly healthy. Almost everybody is glowing when they fall in love. Uh, that you uh, have an abundant energy to do anything. Uh, and we joke in the lecture and say, oh, yeah, you know, you made love for days without stopping for food or sleep. Everybody laughs, and I go, yeah, but here's the most important part. During that honeymoon, um, 
life is so beautiful that it's, it's you know, tantamount to having heaven on earth. It's so beautiful, you can't wait for the next day to wake up and get back into that great love again. And, and so it's interesting. I go, wait a second. Your life could have been average every day, hitting your head against the wall, and all of a sudden you meet this person, and then you're in deep love and heaven on earth. And you go, well, yeah. what happened? And, and here's what science has revealed. Excuse me. Um, science has revealed that when you fall in love like that, it's the one time in your life that you keep your conscious mind present. It's being mindful. It's Buddhist mindfulness, but it's not done by a practice in this case. It's done because when you fall in love, that person that comes into your life is everything you were looking for. All and right. Well, we're going to stop right there. That's a great stop in place, and we're going to come right back oh, in just I'm a minute. Sorry, I would have kept going. You know <laughs> no, me. That's all right. That's all right. We're going to keep go. We're going to keep going right after the break. Be here for that. <laughs> The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. There are a lot of questions about psychic reading and messages from beyond and what they say to us and about us. Join hosts Pat Nelson and Bryce Korsanowski for Illuminating You. Our program will answer many of the questions that you may have and others will have. Our guests discuss and share their personal stories of triumph over trauma. We'll talk about all aspects of healing, living as a part of nature, and other psychic and medium topics. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. HC's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as a terminal degrees both Ph.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths. Utilizing as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world, including Bruce Lipton and his Biology of Belief, which is in our, in our coursework as well. The coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, and then, if they wish, to take healing, help, and wisdom to others. So AIHT is changing the world one student at a time. And all you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And today we're talking to Bruce Lipton about his book, The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth. And what we discovered in the first part of our show today was how it is that we uh, don't uh, operate in the honeymoon effect. And we were talking about what it feels like just before the break. Bruce, we were talking about what it is like to be in that honeymoon effect. So I, I want to talk about what happens when we lose that. What? Why do we lose it and 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 why can't we just maintain that state? Well, this is always the, the biggest issue because uh, it, it, it seems that, well, people stay in love. The honeymoon part is a separate entity than the regular, just regular everyday love part, which is like a 